Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the CDL Podcast channel. In this episode today, we're diving right into some predictions for week one of the CDL, the first online matches to qualify and get your seating for that first major. So it's going to be a fun one. We have a new kind of development on the podcast of a way to score our season-long predictions. So we're going to have a season-long prediction of just the regular season matches for now between Kyle and I. We've also got some news we got one of my favorite players of all time retiring. I mean, he's kind of been retired for a while, but officially announced it. And we've got some other news, some GA news, Doug falling short of the elite. I uh, almost shed a tear when I watched it happen, but Doug fell short. So we've got a lot to get into in this one, and I'm excited to do so. But before we get into that, Kyle, how you doing today? Oh, man, uh, I'm doing well. We, uh, I don't know, I, I woke up this morning and saw in the news that we're uh, my region of the of Michigan is going to get like anywhere from eight to 14 inches of snow this week. So I uh, immediately uh, budgeted in time to go to the grocery store and like stock up on a couple things Uh, just because, you know, eight to 14 inches, even though this is the Midwest and uh, you know, we're, we're accustomed to snow. Like that could be like a, a one to two day, like, Oh yeah. Shut like quote unquote shutdown of like people not going anywhere and stuff. So I just wanted to make sure that I had stuff. Um, uh, to get me through the week and uh, you know, looking forward to uh, catching some matches this weekend. Yeah, you might be snowed in, so that really might be all you have to do is catch some COD matches this weekend. I mean, both of us are used to that in this podcast, though. Well, thankfully, I'm in Wisconsin, and we really haven't gotten much snow over the past few weeks. I think we're just far enough west that we're kind of missing that storm, but uh, I'm hoping that we don't get any storms like that at all for the rest of the winter. We're We're almost getting close to being out of it. All right. You ready to dive into some news on this one? Yeah, let's go. All right. So before we get into the retirement, if you guys enjoy this one, be sure to leave a like, comment, and subscribe on YouTube and follow us on the audio platforms. Like we said last week, we've been gaining a ton of traction and we really appreciate the support. So we would appreciate it if you guys would do that. But before we get into our predictions, which I'm sure everybody wants to hear because we're excited to get into them. We've got some news, some sad news we'll start out with. Uh, Aches formally announced his retirement. This wasn't as like sad as some of the other retirements you see because some of them kind of come out of the blue. This one, we've, we've basically known Aches has been retired for the past, really since the beginning of MW when he was benched. He hasn't made too much of an effort to make a comeback. He played a little bit of challengers in Cold War, maybe for like a couple months in the beginning of the game, but then we knew he really wasn't making much of an effort to come back. But he posted uh, a very long announcement on his Twitter. I'm not going to read the whole thing because that would take a while, but you guys can go check it out on his Twitter if you want. Uh, some of the big points from it, though, he talked about his career and all that. Like I said, you guys can go check that out yourself. But then towards the end, he said he accepted a position with a uh, game designer as a dev with esports in mind. I uh, can't share what studio or like exactly what he's doing, but he's working on the esports side of a new game and development. So that's very exciting. He's also the full time co-host for the flank this year. And he's joining Deserto on reverse sweep coming back for 2022, which I believe is just like a show where they pretty much talk about the CDL. Um but I'm super excited for him. I, I know I replied, if any of you saw my reply on Twitter, uh, I was just like super thankful for what he's done for the COD community because while Optic was the fan favorite, he played a crucial role in growing COD esports as a scene. Uh, he like never made content in his career, and he's still one of the most followed players because of just how good he was on stage as a showman being the villain. So uh, I was just super happy for him for his successful career and that he's going to be around the COD esports scene because he's super well-spoken and he knows what he's talking about when it comes to Call of Duty. He's a 20-time champ, two-time world champ. So excited to have him still around the scene and very excited to see what he does in game development uh, as kind of like an esports producer. Yeah, uh, I mean, for, for me, I, I 
I assume I thought he was already retired. I didn't know that he hadn't formalized it yet. Um, yeah, I mean, he so was, but like, not technically. Yeah, it was a soft, I guess, a more than a soft retirement. I mean, to be completely honest, uh, when you're not even playing in challengers and, um, you know, he's hopping on the flank and doing stuff like that and, you know, more or less just being a personality in the scene, I think that's pretty much being retired. Um, but yeah, I mean, nonetheless, uh, anytime you have a uh, X world champion, uh, multi world champion at that retiring. Yeah. Um, I mean, it's big news, uh, nonetheless. And honestly, uh, like he said, he'll be around the scene, uh, being a co host with Zuma on the flank, uh, different personality. Um, I definitely do, you know, I, I tend to agree with more of his takes. Uh, you know, he, he, he is a little bit more like level-headed, but he he does have a lot of like, uh, I don't know, more more bias towards like the early COD days as well. Like when they were doing when they had that whole debate about the top, uh, were they doing top ten or top fifteen when he was like screaming at? Yeah, when uh, they were talking about trajectory and yeah, exactly, yeah. exactly, yeah. So any anyway, I mean, he he was definitely like a little bit more bias towards the old timers like you know obviously like big timer and stuff he was like big t's gotta mm-hmm. be on the list and you know talking about all that stuff but um yeah we'll definitely look forward to having him uh you know listening to him on the flank and stuff and uh yeah i mean depending on what this uh, whole esports uh studio venture is of his uh you know maybe we'll see him uh a little bit more uh present in in that regard as well but uh yeah, I don't know. Excited yeah. to see him. Uh, what he does, you know, full time. I guess in his uh, retirement life now. Yeah, I'm super excited. I'm just very glad he's going to be around the scene because for somebody like him who wasn't very interested in making his own individual content or team content, really, when he was playing, I was kind of scared that he might just kind of tail off into the sunset and just maybe work at like a game studio or do something else more behind the scenes and not be so much in the limelight. Uh, despite the fact that he has such a great personality. So I'm very glad that he's going to be on a show like the flank and we're going to get to hear his opinions on stuff. Cause I mean, it's not even a question. You can't argue that he's one of the most knowledgeable call of duty minds of all time. I mean, you don't become a multi-time world champion, a 20 time tournament winner, just not knowing much about the game. Like one of the best minds out there uh, for call of duty. And he's been a part of arguably the greatest dynasty of all time. Like the guy has done it all in the COD scene and he played a crucial role in the call of duty league, even being able to exist because of how much he raised the popularity by being that quote unquote villain for optic for all those years and always beating them in champs and stuff when it mattered. So, I mean, shout out to aches. Uh, it's kind of like the first time we really got to shout him out like formally for his career because he was, like you said, pretty much retired, but not actually officially announced. So nobody really ever gave him his flowers. So glad to see uh, everybody, even those optic fans, they realized how much more, fun it was for them to watch call of duty well aches was the villain even though he broke their hearts so many times uh it wouldn't have been nearly as fun without him in there and one of the coolest dudes i met when i went to champs he was one of the most down to earth i met him in a whole foods and the dude was just cool it was fun to talk to him and uh he seems like a great guy from everything i've seen so i'm happy for him all right you ready to move on to our uh, other little bits of news before we get on to our ga talk yeah, I, I was just gonna say that uh, you know I, I know that you stand aches pretty hard, uh, so yeah, I, I, it's hitting you a little bit harder than it hit me. <laughs> uh, but yeah, I'm ready to move on. 
All right. So the next bit of news is also uh, more on the negative side before we really get into in-game stuff. But uh, players, especially I would say, I think Clayster is kind of like the leading charge on this, are kind of lashing out at the CDL. This is a little bit of older news because it happened like right after the event and like right after our last pod was recorded. So it's not like fresh and it's mostly been like kind of resolved. And I'm assuming they're talking about it more behind the scenes. It's not as public anymore, but uh the players are lashing out at the CDL over their kind of uh, lax COVID policies at the kickoff event. I guess like some talent were just basically going out into the crowd, taking pictures. Maybe people weren't following all the protocols they had because I don't know like the exact numbers. I don't think they've been released, but it seems like a lot of players, at least from the talk, like a lot of players, talent, coaches, just people around the orgs are testing positive for COVID following the event. So it seems like maybe they weren't following policies or being too strict with the policies that they had in place if they really had much so cdl offered like an apology tweet but i don't really think we need to get too much into this one because it seems like they're now handling it behind the scenes because the players must have uh, at least got them to talk about it with uh, all their public outcry over the issues at the event yeah i mean this is more just like uh when i saw this i was kind of initially and i guess still i'm a little bit nervous for what that what it spells for Mm -hmm. um you know future LAN events uh and you know maybe having fans at those because i know that you know obviously they have uh you know they have four you know major lands this year plus champs and uh they're going all over the place they're you know allegedly they're going to go to canada i'm still you know I'm yeah, 99%, I'm 99.9% sure that that's just going to flop and they're going to have to do it in texas if anything um because canada is like hyper strict uh on their policies as of now but obviously things can change the global uh you know environment can change and stuff but um mm-hmm. yeah i mean you had a i guess you know from what i saw clayster and envoy were really the ones that got like initially yeah. vocal on twitter um you know we're not sure if the cdl is uh you know moved these conversations to behind closed doors who knows um, they did offer that uh, that tweet that saying that you know teams are uh, teams are required to provide uh, information on how they were going to uh, do testing prior to the event, and then everyone had to do like a CDL test uh, before entering the venue. And then um, you had a lot of people on uh, on on the internet as well, like um, kind of pointing out that the CDL didn't really enforce the the mask policy inside the venue and <laughs> just all a lot of just negative press surrounding the CDL, you know, initially. And, um, you know, players were kind of, you know, rightfully concerned that their, their health and safety wasn't being regarded, um, you know, just for profits and stuff, you know, as long as the CDL can say that they put on a LAN event with fans, the costs were, you know, negligible. Um, but yeah, I mean, I guess this is just more of a developing thing. We'll see. Obviously, we don't have a land for about another month until Major One land. Um, obviously, because all these uh, qualification seating matches are online. So hopefully, you know, the more time we're not in the venue, it'll give us time to, you know, progress with the the virus spread and stuff. And obviously, this has been a a long drawn out process with you know COVID-19 two plus years of dealing with it so you know every I think everyone's burnt out everyone is on the same side it's just people are getting frustrated and uh probably rightfully so so I mean just continue to watch out and see what happens with uh 
the CDL and, you know, hopefully they still allow fans and hopefully they're able to go mm-hmm. to all these different land venues for the majors. Um, because I, I think that that is, uh, we're getting to the point of the, the league where we want to see some like, you know, you know, take the circus on the, you know, take the circus on the road and, you know, do the traveling show as a, as it was. So, uh, yeah, yeah. that's about what I have nervous. to say. I'm getting a little nervous too, because, uh, my friend and I, my roommate, that uh we usually go to we've been to two events not together we we're planning on uh going to one last year then obviously a lot of the events didn't happen and we weren't able to make it to the final few and this year we were thinking kind of want to go to the the optic land the first land in march because it's supposed to like hex is saying how crazy the event's going to be but don't know if that's going to work out so we were planning on like that august 12th or 19th that weekend is probably going to be champs we were talking about going to champs and now i'm a little nervous that champs actually might not happen with fans or is it going to happen i don't want to book a plane ticket and a place to stay and everything and then uh fans aren't allowed or something so i'm a little scared about that so i might might not be going to an event this year because of uh all these issues that they're having so hopefully they get it all sorted out either way that they go um so they can get things figured out or hopefully we're at least able to still continue it's it's on it's like crazy that this happened in uh first happened in mw and we're still talking about hopefully we're able to have land even with uh without fans but kind of might be where we're heading yeah well i mean last bit you just like you know if hex is talking about like you know oh optic land they're gonna have like other events going on or you know a meet and greet or something like is that gonna you know you would just hate to see some negative press blowback on like hector and optic and you know now envy as well uh yeah you know if, if by some you know Hopefully not, you know, I'm not, it's not like we're rooting for this stuff to happen, but you know, if we had some positive tests or players tested positive or something, and then it turns into negative press for Hector because, you know, optic, we're trying to make it a big event and, you know, they, they deserve to have an event and plan some events around it and stuff, but I don't know. Uh, I'll just leave that with the parting thought there. Yeah. It'll, it'll be interesting to see how everything works because, uh, I mean, like you said, it's going to be very interesting to see if we can go to Toronto with all the different regulations between the U.S. and Canada. So we'll have to kind of see how things play out, especially since that Toronto land happens pretty early in the year. I think it's like the second major uh, or something like that. So we'll, we'll have to see how it all plays out. Um, but now we can move on to our GAs. Not a whole lot to talk about in the GAs, in my opinion, but the big one is smokes are now GA'd, but snipers are still in, which a lot of people are complaining about. But I think people just like to complain to complain because they cry about smokes being able to be one way, but then they cry that they're out now because, uh, because snipers are still in. So you got, you got to pick a side, pick one way or the other. Like people are just crying to cry. Smokes are out because they can be one way. If people would just agree to not one way, then you wouldn't have an issue. You could just throw smokes for crosses and stuff to, to block lines of sight for snipers. But, uh, seems like, Smokes are fully GA'd, at least for now, unless they maybe go back on that thought. But snipers are still in, so that's like the big thing from the GA. But uh, I'm glad to see snipers are still surviving. Yeah, uh, obviously snipers, big part of uh, obviously search and destroy from what we saw in the in the uh, kickoff event. Um, yeah, I mean, your, your point about people just, you know, oh, if we could just agree not to use smokes to one-way people, then everything would be good. But, you know, the minute one person gets, like, you know, they assume that they got one-wayed or it looks like they got one-wayed by a smoke, then, you know, it it just causes a big uproar. Um, You know, it's it's not a great place where 
the game is right now with you know with the smokes and uh you know could that lead to sniper GAs down the line uh you know if we see that snipers are just like you know having their way who knows um but uh i don't know uh hopefully the, you know maybe they could change the mechanic a little bit but it seems like people were really mad about Draza using the smoke and I think Bance also used the smoke for a one way at one point uh people were saying uh I don't recall exactly when that happened but um yeah I mean as infrequent as it is to happen you know players are always going to you know say say something to make the game a little bit more I get quote unquote fair for them so I don't know uh hopefully this doesn't lead to snipers getting GA'd yeah, hopefully they keep it as fair for them and not just what's better for their team, which is what snipers being G8 really is, let's be honest. If their team doesn't have an elite sniper, they say it's better for the game, but they just know that they just don't stand a chance with snipers in the game because Simp is too good. Uh, but moving on and kind of segueing to our next point, um, with one-way smokes, my boy Doug Sensor Martin was getting one-weight out of his mind in his uh, challengers tournament to make it to the elite tournament. There was teams that were just chucking one ways on bombs so that they couldn't see them while they were diffusing and stuff like some crazy stuff, like scumbag stuff. But I wanted to talk about the elite a little bit. There are so many like names and like big names that made it that we don't really need to read the teams. Cause there's eight teams. It's uh, a lot of players to get through and read, but Doug fell two maps short. His team was uh, one win away. They played the team that dropped him. The notable names in that team is really Brack, who was kind of a dominant player back in black ops four in the league. But that was the notable name. It was the team that dropped him and Doug got to play them for a chance uh, to make it into the elite for the the season one there. And they fell two maps short. Uh, You know, I really like Doug, but oh my God, me and my friends were talking about this. We were watching the matches. I would have been losing composure if I was his teammate. Like after every map, like obviously there's going to be plays that your teammates make and they make bad plays. They make good plays. Everybody like Doug included, he's going to make good plays. He's going to make bad plays. But every single time after a map, he would start up by you guys did this. You guys did this. You guys did this while I'm doing this. And he would like talk about how his teammates were doing terrible things. And he was doing everything right. And like popping three pieces. I was like, the according to him, he must've never done anything wrong on the map. And I was like, my God, like if I was his teammate after like a tough loss like that, like you're heartbroken. You're, they were all up and coming. Like, pretty much no name players and they had a chance to make it to the elite. Like that's a big deal for when you're first coming up and like the second after you lose, instead of like talking about what you could do better, he's just blaming everything on his teammates. I was like, Oh my God, this is a bad look. I would, I would be losing full if I was his teammates, but I wanted to give one shout out. I mean, Doug played pretty well. That take hit on his team played really well. One of the guys on his, his team, I believe he's the main AR. His name was Littlefoot. That guy was kind of nasty, but I, I want you to remember this name. Kyle, mark it down. We'll, we'll mark down the date. January 31st, 2022. This guy on Doug's team, his name was Teske. He will be uh, towards the top of challengers. I don't want to say in the league because that's really hard to get, but he will be uh, by the end of the year on uh, a challengers elite team towards the top of challengers. And I could see this guy making the league in the next few years. This Teske kid, he's got a little work to do in respawns, but every single search and destroy 12 plus kills without fail. 1v2s all over the place. 1v3s. This kid is disgusting in search and destroy. His name is Teske. Uh, he spelled it really weird. I don't even remember exactly how he spelled it, but that kid is nasty. He will, he'll be at the top of challengers very quick. Yeah, I didn't, uh, you know, we'll, we'll mark it. We'll definitely mark it down. Uh, hot take by Ryan here <laughs> that Teske will be in the league or on a, you know, high up challengers elite team by the end of the year and possibly in the league in the next few years. Um, yeah, yeah. I didn't watch, uh, any of the challengers elite, you know, a little bit, Busy with other things. Uh, we obviously we had football yesterday, and uh, oh yeah, 
you know, the weekend, uh, I don't know, just like there was other things to do. Um, so yeah, I didn't really get to see this, uh, you know, obviously Doug having uh, another go of it in challengers, uh, you know, not yeah, getting in really the elite. good this weekend too. Yeah. Not getting in the elite, uh, a little bit sad for him on the first go around, but you know, I think there's other qualifications throughout the season to get oh, yeah. know, into, they have shakeups of the elite, uh, series and stuff. So obviously not the end of the road for him. Uh, yeah, uh, something to keep your eye on. But, you know, as we've seen, you know, breaking into the into the uh, CDL is just so, you know, hit or miss. Like, uh, it can happen in spurts or we could go like, a, you know, months without anybody moving or anything. So it's really just more like you have to kind of really have your nose to the grindstone uh, if you're a player. And then even if you're a fan, too, you just got to be passionate about watching and following. Uh, challengers because you know at, at any moment you can get guys like uh, like your insights or your standees coming up or uh, you know, other people like that so yeah Doug definitely wasn't the most notable team to not make it I actually was like looking through and stuff like God RX and Pander and Vickle like the hottest prospect in challengers right now that team didn't make it uh, there were some major teams with, like some really established players that had won cups already and were considered top two teams like I believe I can't remember who it was but it might have been the God RX team but there was like one or two teams that were like people were considering top three teams and neither of them made it uh, into the challengers elite. Like it was a crazy stacked bracket, um, but it was it was interesting to see how all that went down and how many good players actually missed out. It just shows how deep the challengers pool is in the NA with how many good players there are. Uh, so now we're basically ready to move into our predictions. I thought this piece of news was good to save until right before our predictions because it goes hand in hand with them. And that's CDL Intel posting just a few hours ago, posted the full list of where teams and players are playing their online matches for. He has the cities listed for some. I saw somebody in the comments on that saying like, can't you just list the cities? But he said he's unsure of the exact cities a lot of them are playing from. So for some of them, it just says the state. Uh, but I can read them off here quick. He has uh, Optic is playing from Texas, Phase Atlanta, Rocker, Minnesota, Thieves, LA, Ultra, Toronto, Mutineers, Florida, Breach, Boston, Gorillas, Subliners, and Surge, all from Texas. Ravens from North Carolina, and then Legion, unsure. Not sure where they're playing from. I believe he said they were playing from Texas last year, so maybe that's the same. Otherwise, we're not fully sure. I think they might have had some people playing from North Carolina in the past as well. So not fully sure where Legion are playing from, but we don't have to get too much into this. It's just something to keep in mind when we're making our predictions because we've heard that uh, Florida with the internet might struggle a little bit. Even Ravens from North Carolina, like, it makes a big difference because we know Texas is kind of like the hub of internet and Atlanta seem to be pretty good as well as Toronto. They seem to do fine, but like teams playing from like Minnesota and Florida, uh, the mutineers and rocker and even Boston playing from Boston or the Ravens playing from North Carolina, something to keep in mind. Uh, they may have a little bit worse connection, which we know in an online format can kind of affect it. So just wanted to, to mention that uh, maybe we could factor that into our predictions. Uh, but if you don't have anything to say about that, we can jump right into our predictions. Yeah, I mean, my just one little thing like, are teams still required to play from the same like facility? Because I know that was like I... implemented a little bit back, and it seems like a lot of the a lot of the good teams did it, but then uh, I don't know. Like, I don't think they are because I thought somewhere I I don't know if I want to dig through it or not, but I swear somewhere in uh in the like where is it yeah like in this one somebody said unsure makes me laugh and he replied and said 
LMAO, they were in Texas last season, but I'm pretty sure they're split this year. So it sounds like Paris is split in like what states they're playing in. And I think some people are in the same state. Like, I think I swear he said something about some people are in the same state, like Texas, but they're yeah. in different cities. So like, I think people might be split up, but I'm not fully sure. Cause I doubt like, I don't think like surge subliners or gorillas have full on facilities in Texas. I doubt. Right. Yeah. I don't know. That's just something I was thinking of. And like, are people going to be playing from their bedrooms when like, you have optic playing out of like the envy or the hex quarters or whatever. So I don't know. Yeah, it'll be, it'll be interesting to see. Uh, but I would, I would assume they're playing from different locations. All right. Well, I'm ready to move into predictions then if you are. Yeah. So we've got, uh, our predictions. We're going to do them obviously week by week. This will just be week one. And we have a little bit of a scoring system. We want to go by so we can kind of give you guys an update on our predictions and how they're going. Uh, as of right now, we're not fully sure how we're going to account for the majors. We'll probably just keep them separate because it's obviously so much harder to add up points for that since like matchups are dependent on who wins. And like you may be predicting a matchup that might not happen because your team that you expected to move on might not move on. So we're going to probably score the majors separately. But for our regular season picks for each stage, we're going to keep track of points. We're going to do plus one for a correct result. So let's say it is phase versus optic and we pick phase. Uh, let's say I pick phase, I get plus one if phase wins. And then if we get the correct map count, so let's say I say 3-2 phase over optic, and it is a 3-2 for phase, then we get plus two for that. So you can get a total of three points max if you, uh, one point for getting the series right, and plus two for the correct map count. But if you don't get a correct map count, it's just plus one. We're doing zero for the wrong result because we don't want to get into a, a situation of like, oh, minus one, minus one. And then eventually the score at the end of the year is just so low because you could just cancel yourself out. If there's 10 matches, you get five right, five wrong. You just get zero for the week. It, it won't lead to a higher score, which would be kind of boring. And then we're doing minus one if the team you pick gets swept or reverse swept. So if I pick uh, Optic uh, over phase and Optic gets 3-0'd, then I get minus one. Or if Optic is up 2-0 and loses 3-2, for those of you that don't know what a reverse sweep is, then I would get minus one. So there's not going to be too many negative points unless we are just idiots and we're picking some teams that are getting swept all the time. Uh, but wanted to keep you guys in the loop. We're going to be updating the score each week, probably just so you can uh, see where it's at or play along at home, keep track of your score, write down your predictions and see if you can beat Kyle and I. Uh, but that's basically the formula we're going with and we'll update it as we go along. So we can dive into this first week of matches. We've got three on Friday, four on Saturday and three on Sunday. The first matchup being a pretty interesting one. It's uh, in my opinion, at least a very close matchup, maybe one of the harder ones to predict, and that is London Royal Ravens versus the Florida Mutineers. Oh, Where man. You? Yeah, this is a tough uh, one. I don't know. Um, I'm just still, I'm I'm kind of low on the, you know, I guess, honestly, on both of these teams, or oh I'm not, like, super high on any of these teams, but uh, I, I'm going to go ahead and give the edge here to the Mutineers um, just based on you know, what we saw in the kickoff. Uh, mm-hmm. And I don't know, it might take London a week or two to, to warm up, but you know, I could just be like BSing. I, I don't know what I'm talking about. Um, I'd go ahead and pick mutineers. Uh, I'd go three, two here. Mutineers. Okay. I am going to say we're going to flip on the first one right away. You know, I've all, I've been kind of a London stand for all of you listeners. Uh, I've had a lot of faith in them. And to me, my confidence in London is definitely lower than it wants to start the year because I'm unsure how fast they're gonna be able to start. My confidence in Florida is also not like crazy high after the kickoff. A lot of people kind of liked what they saw. I wasn't super impressed uh, overall. 
I'm going to say London, but I was thinking London 3-2. So we're both going with the 3-2, but you're going Florida. I'm going London. To be honest, though, this is this is a very tight match to me because I think both these teams are in that like 8 to 11 range of trying to prove that they belong more in contention for the playoffs. I, I think they're both more towards the bottom, but I'm I'm very intrigued by this matchup. We've got uh, some rookies on both sides, and I, th- I think this is a fun match to start out. I think all three of the matches on, on Friday are pretty fun. Yeah. But I'm going London 3-2. You're going Florida 3-2, so we're already split. So we'll, we'll have a different score at the end of the week, most likely. All right, match number two, and another intriguing one because it's it's two kind of question mark teams. Like we thought, maybe Boston on paper wasn't so good. They come out, they look pretty good. We thought Gorillas was really good on paper, and they look pretty shaky. So uh, this is one I'm just I'm really not sure because I I felt like you'd asked me like a week or two ago I'd been like LAG all the way, but I don't I don't really know this one. I I think this is another three one three two candidate, but I'm not I'm not sure where I'm gonna go. Are you pretty set on this one or? Are you also in the same boat? Mm, I was kind of thinking that, you know, this whole like crone announcement of where, you know, Boston's going to be playing out of the like out of the northeast. Um I'm in we have LAG in Texas reportedly, so mm-hmm. I don't know how the 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 Boston internet is and what server they're going to be connecting to. You could go down a whole rabbit hole there of uh you know, what's going to happen there. Um yeah, LAG didn't did not look too hot, but then they had a you know they were just saying oh you know our hearts weren't in it and you know it's just a kickoff event people need to settle down. Um, Boston looked okay, but you know they they lost to a good uh, subliners team. Um, mm-hmm. Oh man, this this is a really hard this is harder for me to pick than our previous match. I uh, I will say on this match though. Um, like you were saying, like the connection might matter with Boston playing in the Northeast, but I, this I'm not even this match. This whole week is going to be probably the worst, or I would expect it to be one of the worst we do in terms of uh, how accurate we are because we're still like some right. of these teams. We're judging them off three maps and land. We haven't even seen them play online. We don't know if that's going to be a struggle for them. We just don't know much about these teams, so like we might look like idiots at the end of this. But I I truly believe this is going to be one of the hardest weeks to predict, just because we know so little still about all the teams. Yeah, and I mean, we we have to assume that Boston has been pl- like scrimming out of Boston for a little bit, and yeah, and people have said they look great. Yeah, so oh man, this is hard. Uh, I'm I'm gonna still say LAG are gonna struggle. I'll give Boston a three-one here. Okay, I, I like where this is going because. I don't know who to pick, but I feel like people, I don't know. I just feel like people are just so hyped about Boston, but we haven't, I don't I don't know. I, I do think they're definitely, definitely a good team. And I think that it's very easy that they could win this match, but I feel like weird things are going to happen. I feel like LAG is going to be pretty motivated to prove that that wasn't uh, going to be a reoccurring thing. And I'm going to go LAG 3-1. Three, 3-1. One. Three, one. I was going to say 3-2, but I can't. I would my then I might pick all 3-2s for Friday and I don't I don't like the way that sounds, but uh once again, after the first two picks, I have about a 2% confidence in them being correct. But I don't know. I just feel like there's there's a world where LAG comes out and wins this match because I do think on paper they're more talented, but uh, Boston has reportedly looked better online. So so we'll see, but I'm going to go LAG 3-1. All right, so two contrasting picks, so we're going to have some point differentials here. Yeah, that's the way it should be. we got to have somebody on the comeback trail. All right, next one. 
subliners surge this is a brutal i mean as i'm looking ahead to like the next days i feel like there's a couple matches on each of the days where it's uh, a little bit easier and there's a clear favorite but man i don't think there's a clear favorite on this one either like surge are probably the hot pick uh but they have a tough week this week they have this match against the subliners and then ultra which coming off a really hot kickoff classic uh, i could see the surge going on two this week they have some tough matchups um do you have any way you're leaning on this one i, I feel like it's hard not to lean surge because of how good they looked, but subliners are not a team that are just going to lay down. Yeah, exactly. Um, oh, this is this, yeah, like you said, a tough one. Uh, you know, I guess end of the day, I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna ride the hot hand of surge here. Um, I'm gonna pick them in a three-one. Okay, I actually agree with that. I'm gonna go surge three-one, but it's really hard for me because I've been so high on subliners this this whole year but I, i'm rocking with surge three one as well i don't want to pick all three twos because it's just it just never happens that way and i i want to go three oh on one of the f- matches of the first day but it just these are all matchups that in my mind the teams fall very close to each other and where they're ranked right now so i don't i don't see there being any sweeps but i'm going seattle three one as well <sighs> but it, it's a tough one because subliners are like that steady team that it feels like surge surge's inexperience could really cost them against subliners with uh, how experienced at least a couple of the players on the team are but i i, I do think subliners are going to be a little bit of a slow starter this year i, I think they're going to get to the point where they're a top four team and fighting to win events but i don't know if that'll be right away in major one because it seems like they're taking a little bit longer to gel uh, and surge like you said are the hot hand right now so i'm gonna agree and say surge three one all right you ready to move on to the next day you got anything else to say about that one no nah, no nah, i'm We'll just we'll we'll let it ride with surge here, but um, like you said, I'm, you know, it could go either way. All right, now maybe our first what we would assume to be shoe and match. Maybe just what matters here is map count. I would be shocked this one went any other way. But first match on Saturday is Phase versus the Paris Legion. Um, I I would assume we're both picking Phase here, and you've got to pick them at some point. So I'm going Phase three zero. Yeah, I I did all that. Uh... I don't see if FaZe come out and have guns blazing. I don't see, uh, yeah, I don't see Paris having an answer, unfortunately. Um, Although it, I will it, say it, I feel less confident in a 3 0 than I did on Paris last year. I think they have more of a fighting chance to steal a map. Yeah, they, they definitely do. Uh, they could get, you know, they could get a search to go their way, you know, just like poach some rounds and win a search or, uh, you know, win a control or something but i i don't know i just mm, i i i want to get some map map count points here so i don't think any anything but a 3-0 would be the smart thing to pick yeah although we did see didn't paris beat phase last year in like a series late in the year or something i swear they did pretty sure they beat them like a 3-2 or something because i remember scraps and them going crazy or they lost a close 3-2 or something they almost beat them (laughs) I remember I that from last I year. I don't know. Check the check check the transcripts. I don't know. Somebody put that but. in the comments if that happened. I swear it did, or it was very close. Um, but it was on like some random online match that really didn't mean anything if it happened. But yeah, I, I think we're both bo- both going phase three zero here. Like you said, pretty hard to pick anything else because we expect phase to win, and it, it's pretty hard to say that Paris is going to get a map until they prove that they're better than a bottom team. Um. Going on to our second match, though, it's maybe the little run of easier games to predict. I don't think this one is by any means as easy as the first one on Saturday, but it's London Royal Ravens versus Optic Texas. Should be another one where if 
Optic are what people say they are, and they are a top team. They should be able to win this one in a pretty easy fashion. Although, if we know anything about Optic, whenever the match seems easy, they tend to make it a little closer than it should be at times. Although we don't know this new Optic iteration because we haven't seen Ilian Shotzi uh, on the team too much. And as much as people like to say they flopped in that first event, they did play a very good team in LA Thieves. Uh, it's not a shame to lose to them or anything. But I, I'm going to go Optic 3-1 here. I'm going to give London a map because I do think uh, Optic is a little bit of a tier lower than FaZe. And I think London's a little bit of a tier higher than Paris. So I feel like uh, cutting that difference a little bit maybe gives London a map. I could see a way that this goes five games, though, because, I don't know, Optic tend to allow some of these teams to hang in maybe more than they should, but I'm going Optic 3-1 here. Hey, yeah, I, I'm just thinking, like, you're saying Optic lets these teams hang around, and the, the first the first picture that came to my mind is, like, Skump with his hands on his head and <laughs> just look, looking in disbelief, like, how did we just, like, burger this match to Paris or something? Yep. Um, Oh man. Uh yeah, initially uh you know, a three one is safe. Um I'm gonna go bold here and say optic just like come out and like don't leave any doubt in people's mind, uh at least in this match. Uh and they're gonna they're gonna uh they're gonna sweep the London Royal Ravens. I, I like that pick, because I mean this is a weird matchup because usually you're more in the you're in the three oh three one or the three one three two. Like you have a way that I don't know, at least where my mind goes when I think of a series, I'm like, okay, this is gonna be a close one. Do I think they'll get two maps? Or I'm like, this is gonna be a blowout, it's a three oh. Maybe do I think they'll get a map? On this one, I can literally see what you just said happening. Optic comes out, they're motivated like they are early in the season. A lot of times they blow them out. Or I could see Optic doing their late season thing and letting a team hang in longer than they should. So I mean, who knows where it's gonna go, but we're both picking Optic to win, so we're on the same page there. I wonder if any of us are going to get uh, negative points this week for a sweep. One of these teams we pick, uh, like what if Paris sweeps phase? I feel like we should both just get negative five uh, for that. But if Paris sweeps phase, I'm going to quit the podcast and you're <laughs> going to have to go solo again. So I, I, I mean, <laughs> I would be shocked if they, if they somehow like pull off a map or two more than we thought because we picked them with zero, but if they sweep phase, I, yeah, I mean, then, then maybe people start to hit the panic button for phase. Uh, all right. Third match of the day, another one. This is why I said Seattle has a brutal week this week. They play Toronto Ultra. One benefit maybe going their way is this is Ultra's first and only match of the weekend, so maybe they'll be a little bit colder not having a match under their belt. I don't think nerves will get to them at all, though. Ultra are the defending kickoff champs. Haven't seen them drop a series yet this year in the very, very limited amount of series we've seen, but Surge versus Ultra, in my opinion, probably the matchup of the day. Uh, One that I'm very excited to watch. And I'll be honest, you've gone first for a lot of the predictions, so I'll go first to this one. I, I think Ultra are going to win it in a 3-1 fashion. Uh, it's very hard to bet against Ultra right now against maybe any other team but FaZe just because they're FaZe, but Ultra looked fantastic in the kickoff. They've shown no sign of slowing down. We know how just fundamentally sound they are, and if there's one thing I think you can make an argument for Seattle, it's that maybe their fundamentals will break down a little bit since they're a little more inexperienced. So I feel like Ultra's strength and their fundamentals and communications is probably the surge weakness because we know surge are plenty plenty talented but i feel like maybe their inexperience could be their weakness and that's something that toronto will absolutely exploit if you're not playing fantastic uh and impeccable as a team so i feel like ultra is a very very good matchup for surge and we also saw them uh beat surge 3-1 in the final and i think we're gonna see a repeat of that yeah i'm gonna uh say the exact same thing ultra 3-1 i just don't see seattle being able to extend ultra especially if ultra is playing uh 
you know, as good as they they showed that they can in the kickoff classic. Um, I don't know. I just think that, uh, you know, if it comes down to Surge needing to win, like, the the second hard point to stay in, I just think Ultra is going to clutch up. Uh, yeah. I also know. think Ultra would win a map five. I think they're the better Surge team. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Um, but, you know, I'll, I'll go ahead and I'll I'll go with Ultra 3-1 as well. Yeah, I I don't know. I, I feel like I'm really scared for Surge, and I really hope they're at least able to win one of the series this week because, in my opinion, like, Surge, like we've heard, you know, Sib can be a little bit of a hothead at times, maybe lose his temper, and, like, they have young players, you know, that could potentially lose their temper, and, like, accuracy can kind of get frustrated sometimes. So I hope they carry this momentum from last week, and even if they lose two games, I hope they keep level-headed because they realize that they have two tough matches this week. But, like, I hope they don't go 0-2 and just, like, lose full if they get blown out once or something because I'd like to see them carry this momentum and not have it go to waste from the momentum they gained. So hopefully they're able to at least keep both these matches close and, and not lose it if they end up losing two matches because they're playing two good teams this week. It's very possible. All right. Last match of Saturday, Subliners, Gorillas. Man, I'm just intrigued to watch all these because we're at the point of the year where we just don't know who teams really are. So it's really fun. And this is another one of those matchups of teams that on paper coming into the year, we thought, man, these teams have potential to be top teams. And maybe they're both starting a little slower than we expected. I feel like this match is kind of a trap match. It seems like Subliners is the pick. They're definitely the favorite. But I don't know. I, I feel like this is Slasher versus Krim is always a very motivated matchup for both sides. They very much like to beat each other. So... I don't know. Are you are you leaning one way? I'm assuming you're probably leaning subliners because they're the favorite. Yeah, um, I, I I think if this was a land match, we'd have a different story. We might have a different story with like how how many maps this could go. Um, like you're saying, like a slasher versus crim, like you know motivation and whatnot. Um, I, I'm gonna lean subliners. Uh, I'll give LAG two maps. I think that they could extend this to a game five. Um, you know just to get off of the 3031 train we've been on um give us a little bit of excitement on saturday uh give us a game five but give me subliners yeah so i think we're actually going to go almost completely together on this besides we had a different map count uh on the optic series i had three one you had three oh i'm gonna agree with you here and say subliners three two uh i actually for some reason i have this weird feeling in my head that lag is gonna play pretty well this week and we'll probably come back to this moment in the podcast when they lose six maps and win zero or something. But I, I just have this weird feeling in my head that LAG is going to come out and show a lot of improvement from last week and show why we had faith in them to be a good team this year. Not saying they're going to go 2-0 and because they also have two tough matches against Boston and New York. But I, I think we're going to see LAG perform pretty well and be like, oh, oh yeah, that's why we thought this team could be pretty good. I think I think we're going to come out of this week with them being one and one win one of their matches. I picked them to beat Boston, but I could see them winning either one. I am picking subliners 3-2 here, like I said, but I think we're going to come out of this week thinking LAG, yeah, okay, we saw the potential of why we thought they could be a good team. I'm not going to say they're going to come out of the week as a top team, but I think like after this past weekend, we're like, Ooh, are they going to make the playoffs? But I think after this week, we're going to say, yeah, I could see that team maybe cracking top around like six five six at some point this year like they're they're gonna show some good potential so i'm gonna go three two subliners in a close series and uh what i think has potential to be the best series of that saturday Mm -hmm. you ready to move on to sunday we've got my boys playing in match one paris john uh man i this is an interesting matchup to say the least for this first one 
could be, I don't know, the way I'm looking at it, it could be a day of clear favorites winning, but we mentioned this a little bit before the podcast where I might go with this one. So I'll let you go first on this one. We got Paris versus Florida. Yeah. Um, Paris versus Florida. Uh, interesting. Another, like, like, where do you go with this? They're both towards the bottom, but like we haven't separated the bottom yet. So we don't know. Yeah. I, I don't know. I'm a little bit uh, more. Oh, like I could see Paris like, you know, waking up on Sunday and being like, we're going to go win this match. and coming out and you know getting it done um but at the same time i, I think I, I i liked what i saw from the mutineers just a little bit more um you know even though we we did give paris props for like you know playing you know somewhat competitive we said that paris did look more competitive on this game than they have in the past um i don't know uh Oh man, I'm I'm kind of talking myself in circles here. Like, you know, do I who do I want to pick? It's a tough one. All these matches in the first week are so tough. Yeah, but I'm gonna go Mutineers three one here. Um, okay. I don't know, j- just a gut feeling. I have no other better reason to say that. Yeah, I mean, we talked about this a little bit before the podcast, where I might go with this matchup, and I just like to be bold and random and this might be the one week of the year i can actually pick paris before we watch them finish the year like four and 36 in match count uh, so i'm going paris i'm going three two i think donnie temp is going to drop a double digit kill number in the final map five search and destroy and i think paris are going to win three two i'm picking florida to go oh and two this week and they're playing two bottom teams so that's probably not going to age well they're probably going to end up going two and oh or something but i'm picking paris three two here i think i i mean at some point this year, Paris is going to win some matches. They're not going to lose every match. Even last year, when I would argue they're probably worse than they're going to be this year, they still found a way to win. Like I think it was like six or seven matches in total out of the thirty something they played. Like they found a way to win a few. They're bound to find a way to win a few more this year. And I feel like most of their matches they won were early on because I remember people actually not having them bottom of the power rankings early in the year when they were like two and three in one stage and stuff. Like they looked a little better. I think. This is the time when teams are figuring stuff out. I think they have a new level of consistency they're going to be able to find because Tyler Fellow is a very good player. Uh, I think Donnie Temp's a pretty good player. It's just a matter, in my opinion, if John and Decimate can hit any kind of form or be steady because I think Fellow is very, very underrated, and a lot of people would agree with that. Also, everybody knows how I feel about Temp. I think his skill ceiling is ridiculously high. It's just a matter of does he ever have a talented enough team around him to unlock that or to, to make him fit. I think Paris are a team that is going to be a little more steady. Like it's going to be hard to blow them out because of the veterans on the team. And I think in a, in a series against a team like Florida, who's maybe a little younger and inexperienced and just frankly, also towards the bottom of the league, like we'd expect, I'm going to go Paris three, two here. Cause at some point they got to win some matches and I'm going to bet on this week. Very fair. Very fair. I, I mean, it's going to be pretty hard to pick them against any other teams besides maybe like, london and uh florida yeah exactly i mean if if you're gonna if you're gonna go with paris you might as well ride them this weekend right because like who who else do we expect we thought maybe boston would be towards the bottom well they look pretty good we thought surge might be towards the bottom again they look pretty good uh you got like phase thieves optic rocker subliners it's gonna be hard to pick them against any of them i mean you've really got the battle of europe maybe with london and florida as of right now until we see maybe some other teams fall towards the bottom so uh, if there's any time to pick Paris, it's now. Hopefully they aren't the team that gives me negative points if they get 3-0'd, which could very easily happen. But uh, I feel like I want to 
have a reason to root for Paris this weekend too, because I don't want to see them get bullied the whole year. All right. Second match of the day. This one is interesting. I feel like this is the match that is the most interesting to me based on the tweet saying uh, where the locations of the teams are, because now it's like confirmed thieves are playing from LA and phase are playing from Atlanta, which uh, for anybody out there that might not know United States geography all too well, or uh, some of our UK listeners who don't care to pay attention to the way the U S is laid out potentially. Uh, let's say Atlanta is all the way on the East coast over in Georgia and LA is all the way over on the West coast in California. So they are very, very far apart, almost as far apart as you can get in the United States. So the connection in the series may be very interesting. So I'm a little bit nervous for thieves because I think talent level, I'm still got to give it to phase, but in terms of uh, the connections being posted of where players are playing from, this is the match that maybe impacted the most. Uh, do you have a way you're leaning with this one? Yeah, I mean, every time we think that, yeah, obviously this is like a, you know, should be a, a powerhouse matchup. Obviously, uh, Thieves looked really good at the kickoff. Uh, you know, everyone expects FaZe to be the best team in the game uh, again this year. So, you know, by all accounts, this should this should be a... Uh, you know, this should go to a game five, you know, if you're just looking at it and like, oh, yeah, I'll give us a game five round 11, yada, yada, yada. But every time it feels like we have one of those, it, it ends up falling short. Um, so I'm going to have this ending in four maps uh, and going phases away. So phase uh, three to one. Yeah, I like that prediction. I like where it's going. I do think Thieves are a team that has the talent to go gun for gun with a phase this year. Not saying they're going to be better or consistently beat them or anything, but I do think this year, these talent-wise on paper, they're not a team that's just going to get blown out of the water like some of these teams are with FaZe, where you just see the talent and you're just like, yeah, they just can't compete unless FaZe is a terrible day. I do think Thieves have the level of talent that is good enough to compete if they're having a good day that they can make a run at FaZe. But, oh man, it's just tough. This early on, I feel like FaZe is like, they're always kind of like the measuring stick, like the team you measure yourself against because until we see otherwise, we're going to say that FaZe are pretty much the best team that are defending champs. Uh, on paper, they have the most talent once again this year. So it's tough to pick against them. I do think Thieves are going to hit the point where they're up there. But I need to see Octane uh, and his boys not lose full when they're playing online from LA before I'm really ready to consistently pick them. It's very unfortunate that we only see... I mean, I know there's weeks where teams uh, are only going to play one match. Another team playing in this next match. Uh, Minnesota also only plays one this week. There's going to be... Uh, one week where each team only plays one match because of the way the schedule is. But it's very unfortunate for a team like Thieves that your only match is against FaZe. So you are pretty much almost bound to go 0-1 in the week. But I'm going to agree with you and say FaZe 3-1 on this one. I, I do think Thieves are good enough to get a map. But it's man, it's almost impossible for me to pick against FaZe until I actually see them struggle. And I'm not really ready to just give octane a win as he's playing online because he's playing for maybe a worse location this year and we've seen how much his teams have struggled online so we'll see i hope that i'm wrong i hope this is a very competitive series and we see maybe somebody take down phase and make them vulnerable but i feel like phase is bound for 2-0 week this week and i'm going with them 3-1 as well all right anything else in that matchup are you ready to go to our last matchup no, just too bad that we didn't uh, get to see the the LAT Bachelor House and uh, like <laughs> us not not Bachelor because they're all kind of you know with people, but uh, you know nonetheless like the LAT Bachelor pad and uh, in Frisco or Dallas or wherever, like like uh, Octane and Kenny were saying that they were going to do, but obviously probably would have been really expensive. 
for uh, the yeah. thieves, and uh, you know, even though they are a a rich a rich organization, um, you know, I don't know if they're really willing to pony up to to fly back and forth from uh, you know L.A. to um, L.A. to Dallas every every weekend to play matches. And obviously, like we were just talking about all the COVID stuff, and <laughs> is that really the best thing to be doing? So you know, who knows? Uh, but yeah, uh, yeah, I mean. I think FaZe just has a well, well FaZe will have their number this weekend, but uh not to say that Thieves can't be uh you know, obviously they only get to play one match this weekend too, so um yeah. you know they'll have to wait to show their dominance. Yeah, it's a tough team to play if you're only playing one match in the week and your first match, tough team to play, but at the same time it could be the best team to play because if they come out one oh, they're gonna be on top of the world and feeling very, very confident. Um, yeah, or 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 maybe it's just like they get their hard match for this qualification out of the way. I don't know if we know the entire um, like forecasting who else they're playing uh, in their qualification. I haven't looked that far ahead, um, like week two and three, who they're going to be playing. But uh, yeah, it'd be interesting to see. You know, is this going is this going to be their hard hardest match, or are they going to have to play like you know, are they going to play like New York and Optic and people? Or um, I, I don't have that in front of me, but it would be interesting to see. Yeah. It, it definitely would be. A, I don't exactly know because I know they said the matches are more like random this year. It's not like how they picked groups last year and stuff. So it'll be right. interesting to see how that works. But uh, final match, it is Kyle's team versus the people's team. Uh, Minnesota Rocker versus Optic Texas. Another intriguing one because I would venture to say, and I think you'd agree that Optic would be the favorite in this match. Minnesota have struggled a little bit. Optic has been known on scrims to be one of the better teams so far in this game. I would say on paper, Optic has more talent. However, if you're a fan of Call of Duty long-term and a fan of history, I can't think of a player who has Optic's number more. I mean, besides the GOAT, Aches probably has him the most, but Attach, that guy has Optic's number at all times. Uh, He's like, if Aches is Optic's Grim Reaper, uh, attaches the assistant right behind him at number two he's maybe now uh optics number one reaper now that uh now that aches is officially retired so you think you know optic is the better team on paper they're the team that's looked better this year than minnesota but there's one thing to put doubt in your mind it's attached because that dude will just always beat optic it seems like he beat him with phase in that grand finals when he ran through his artillery for the greatest uh, round 11 clutch of all time i mean attach has optics number so this match for any of you that maybe think it's a shoe in for optic, I, I wouldn't be so fast. I'm, I'm nervous about attach because he, he, like I said, tends to beat optic a lot. It seems like. Yeah. What, what are you thinking here? I still think I want to go optic because I do think they're the better team. And I do, I am a person that fully buys into the attach hype and that he's clutch and he has optics number, which is why I'm going to give them more maps than I think people would say when you look at the teams on paper. So I'm going Optic 3-2 in this matchup, but that makes me very nervous because every time Attach goes Game 5, I don't know what the stat is, but I bet you Attach has won definitely more games than not, but I bet you he's won like 60% or more of the games he's gone, or series he's gone Game 5 with Optic. I mean, that's like a random weird stat, but it seems like he never loses a Game 5, and especially against Optic, like the dude's unreal. So I do feel like I want to go Optic 3-2 just because I, I think they're the better team. But man, it's a lot harder than it should be to pick because this Minnesota team, I feel like, is like going to be team game five. I feel like they're going to have the best game five win percentage of any team. Yeah, that's interesting. Um, or I mean, you know, not not unexpected. I I, I shouldn't act like I'm surprised, but um, yeah, uh, I don't know. A, I'm gonna, a tougher I'll... one than you would think it should be. 
Yeah, it is. I mean, and obviously we didn't, we saw Rocker, you know, they didn't look terrible in their one match that they played. Uh, you know, they did get. They outslayed New York big time and lost. Yeah, they did get summarily beat, you know, obviously a 3 0. Uh, and obviously we only saw them play three maps. And uh, people are maybe a little bit lower on Rocker. You know, be, they didn't make any changes. And uh, they're kind of coming in with this, like, this. They're kind of putting teamwork and chemistry over, you know, maybe making a change uh, in the offseason. So. People naturally slotted them maybe like one or two spots lower. Um, I just think on on online though, like you know, could Rocker pull an upset out? You know, maybe they definitely could. Um, I I put it closer to a fifty fifty, uh, especially since it's just the opening weekend and uh, teams are still figuring out like you know what their vetoes are going to be and what other teams' vetoes are going to be and what other teams like you know. Uh, best maps are. I don't know if you know. I'm sure the statisticians have been keeping track of like scrim results and what they're losing to teams on and what other teams are dominating on. Um, but yeah, I digress anyway. Uh, uh give me Rocker in a three-one. I I don't mind the pick at all. Uh, and I, I, I don't teams, even. Th- so I don't even. Yeah, I don't even think it gets to a game five if Rocker are going to win this. Um. Maybe it's just me being a little bit over overconfident, and you know, maybe if we did get to a game five, you know, attach like you said, clutching up and having optics number. Um, but I'll I'll go I'll be a little bit more bold than even just picking Rocker to win. I'll pick him in a three-one. Well, in like like I was saying with Paris, if there's a time of year that teams that are maybe not as good as other teams are going to set that uh, upset them, it's going to be now because teams aren't as polished and like. Will Optic probably separate themselves towards the top four as the year goes on? Yes. Will they probably be ahead of Rocker in the long run? Oh, Not yeah. for sure, but I would think at some point like they'll be clearly viewed as a better team than Rocker. But like we said with Paris and like some of these other matches, uh, I don't think at, at some point I think we're going to be picking Paris to lose every match. But now you know you can see them maybe beating a team like Florida because it's earlier in the year. I will say with my 3-2 for Optic, what I don't feel good about is I think Optic's going to take a while to develop as a good search team, I think. I think there can be a lot better in search than they were last year. We know that like that stat that got floated around all year was every time they played a bad team in search, they beat them. But when they played like ultra subliners phase, like those top teams, they just couldn't win a search and destroy to save their life. So I am very nervous about a game five because I think Minnesota are going to be a locked and loaded top three, top two search and destroy team early on in the game, if not the whole year. So that makes me very nervous. This seems like a trap match, but I don't know when I, when it comes down to it, I, I most of the time early in the year go with the team that I just believe is the better team, which I do think is optic, but I'm very scared of this match. I'm not confident in it. So I, I went optic three, two, you went Minnesota three, one. That'll, that'll be an interesting one because in terms of the matches for sure on Sunday, this one is like the most toss up to me. Uh, and it might be one of the most toss up of the whole weekend. And I mean, now there's probably a lot of optic fans out there that are like, what do you mean? They're a lot better than rocker. I will agree. They definitely are the better team, but, like Dashie said last year, Attach is always going to get his slice of the pie. He's going to get his piece of the pie. Like, you can't never count that guy out. And I think that's going to be the name of the game for this Rocker team all year. I think they might be towards that sixth spot, like more middle of the pack, but you can never count them out. They're always going to be able to keep matches close, in my opinion. You got anything else to say before we maybe move on to a, another little mini segment? No, I'll let, I'll let it stand there. All I right. think I said my bit. I think I think it's gonna be a fun fun weekend of matches though. Uh, this this early season is 
in my opinion, some of the best time because like we've said a, a few times during our predictions, this is the time of year that we're really figuring out who teams are and uh, a lot of upsets can happen because teams don't even know who they are themselves. Uh, and hopefully we see a team like Paris prove that they're not towards the bottom and are going to be competitive. And hopefully we just see a lot of good matches this weekend and start to get more of a concrete standing of where teams really stand and who they are. So we know how to pick going forward. But one little segment we had before we wrap things up, we want to talk about some big storylines, whether we think they're true or false coming out of this this kickoff classic and stuff, because obviously we had bold predictions and stuff, but these aren't going to be like maybe individual predictions we think ourselves, but maybe some storylines we think were creative and whether or not we think they're true or false coming out of the kickoff. So I just wrote down two of them I wanted to mention because I think they're the narrative that's surrounding the team or something interesting based on the kickoff classic. Uh, the first one I want to talk about involves FaZe. Uh, I feel like we don't talk about FaZe a lot because a lot of times when we talk about them, we're like, yeah, they're the best. We don't have to talk about them much. But one thing I said for me, and it's it's crazy we even have to like mention this. That's how dominant they've been recently. But I said, coming out of the kickoff classic after we saw FaZe you know, lose to Surge and not win a series, I said FaZe won't be the team that spends the most time at number one in our power rankings. True or false? And now just because I said it doesn't mean I think it's true. I do think that's false. I still think FaZe will be the team that spends the most time at number one on our power rankings this year. But I do think, you know, after they get beat by Surge and we see how good Ultra looks, uh, we believe Optics can be pretty good. Thieves looked good. I, I feel like there might be more shifting at the top of our power rankings this year than last year, considering FaZe was pretty much number one wire to wire. Uh, so true or false, FaZe won't be the team that spends the most time at number one in our power rankings. What do you think? That's interesting. I'm I'm gonna lean false though. Yeah, that's what I said. Um, but it, I think it's closer than it's been. Yeah, and I definitely think you know, just looking back at the uh, the Cold War season, and uh, you know, maybe we had Ultra at one for slightly a week or two. You know, a, a few weeks maybe, and then Phase ended up winning. You know, three of the five stages, and then uh, obviously champs as well so they had to be number one for a long 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 time um yeah i could i could envision a world where we have um maybe another one team maybe two but most likely just one other team taking a a, a little bit more time away from phase at number one but at the, at the end of the day i mean with all the hype that we put that we've put into phase and uh certainly deservedly so um we you know it's pretty much a consensus that they're gonna be the best team uh i don't know i'm just i i'm just gonna have to give that a big big fat false there yeah i agree i just thought it was something interesting to mention because uh they were basically like you said wire to wire number one last year besides maybe for a week or two after stage two people were saying ultra or number one, but that's about it. They were basically the entire season. And I do think there's a world where they spend less time. I think teams like Optic or Ultra could potentially take that one spot away from them. And you've got other teams that look solid, like Thieves and uh, Subliners and Surge. Maybe if they're able to make that consistent, they could find themselves up towards the top and take it. But uh, I would agree. I think FaZe is going to be the team that spends the most time at number one again this year. You got one to, to offer up? Yeah, I had one. Uh regarding uh seattle surge i said uh i was thinking more like more or less like um you know w what are our general like you know kind of just like uh 
big storylines like where do we see surge slotting into now uh you know given their very impressive performance at the uh kickoff classic like where do we see them big picture like you know obviously there's so many good teams that if sir if surge like jump up and take one of these top six ish spots you know some team is going to be bumped down but it's just like it's hard to say who's going to be bumped down for surge uh if surge do stay around so i was just like you know getting your thoughts like you know gauging i guess more or less just like gauging the temperature of like you know are we ready to say surge is like gonna for sure stick around and be a top six team you know obviously they showed potential that they could you know even be like a top four team at times but where do we see them like settling out at oh the way i you know i mean anybody that's been a long-term listener probably knows the way i tend to go with things like this i tend to be more on the conservative side of things i'm not usually too quick to jump once i see a team play well and just jump them up to the top but i do think surge showed me enough and enough talent to fully believe that you know they're gonna be at least steadily in the top eight for playoffs i do think that right now i'll say they'll settle conservatively around six like in that that six spot five six but i do think they have a chance to go much higher because i think they have that talent it's just i'm not a person that wants to jump to a conclusion and say they're top four because I still think phase are very good. I think optic are still very good. And I think ultra for sure are very good. And I think those three are pretty much locked to be our top three for at least a little bit here. And I also think thieves are right up there in that full range and subliners. Uh, and I think those five teams are, I'm more confident that they're going to be more steady. And I feel more confident that those teams are going to be very good. Uh, I still think surge are going to be really good, but I think they're a little bit more up and down potentially. So that's why I'm slotting them in more in that five, six range below those teams I just listed, but I certainly think they have room to climb, but that's, that's definitely an upgrade from where I had them early in the year. I mean, we were both talking about them around that nine, 10 range. So the fact that they're already up to six with potential to keep going higher is, it's pretty crazy. But like you said, some teams are going to have to get bummed down by this. And really I'm as high as I am on them right now. I feel like Florida, London, uh, saying I'm high on London is what I meant there, not Florida. But Florida, London, Ravens feel like they're kind of our clear-cut bottom three right now, and that leaves nine teams that I think are really, really good, and that means one of those teams at a minimum you know, can't make it to the playoffs, not saying, who knows, maybe Florida, Paris, or London will jump up and take another one of those spots, but there is going to be a very good team or two uh, that misses the playoffs this year. So I think surge might be bumping one of them out and I'm going to put them around six to answer your question. Yeah. It's just a interesting like temperature gauge. Like I was saying, um, yeah, it's hard. It, obviously it's hard to judge from one event, even though we saw surge play like three matches, uh, you know, four really because they are in the grand final. Um, yeah. but, uh, we saw them win three matches. I was, I was more or less saying that, um, yeah, I mean, it's really easy to buy into the, you know the one event hype and uh you know they they looked like very cohesive but uh at the end of the day it's also like you know one thing could set this team and like you know dissolve this team you know obviously like there's all this like narrative that sib could uh you know you know one bad day of practice and sib could just like quit the team or something like that that's the narrative that's like played out there and 
people are saying that, you know, he could be a hothead and stuff. And, you know, if accuracy doesn't get along, but you know, all those things seem to have been like almost kind of put to bed or seems like they're able to put like, print, like the gameplay above personalities and stuff. So, um, I'm, a, I'm definitely a little bit more, you know, I think I'm going to agree with you on the conservative side, like putting them around like the, the eight, seven, six ish spot. Um, and I agree with your bottom team analysis as well. Um, it's just hard it, right now until we've seen until we see like some matches. It's hard to say like what team in that like in that bottom tier of the of the top eight would be bumped out or that we could say would be like confidently bumped out. Like maybe maybe it is like a like a rocker or somebody that we don't think are necessarily like world beaters at this moment that might get like slotted out. But uh, yeah, it's hard to say like it, it it could be, I think it'll definitely come down to a a point where surge are going to be like kind of like a first four in or last four out kind of thing. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, using a college basketball analogy. Uh, Yeah. I I think that they're still going to be a bubble team at the end of the, at the end of the season, just because there's so many other good teams that, we think are you know just have that more consistent aspect to their you know where they're going to slot in yeah i fully agree with that analysis there it's like the team that is the hot pick right now and they're the hot commodity but you don't just want to jump the gun so soon on them to be all in because you want to see a little more and that's hopefully with them playing two good teams this weekend hopefully we get a more clear picture i feel like after this weekend we are going to have a lot clearer picture on, on where we think they are, unless they go like one and one and fully split maps, but that might also kind of solidify them as more of that six range team if they play two good teams in uh, Toronto and New York. Very tight. Uh, I had one more little storyline going into the year, though, to discuss before we wrap things up, and it also involved Seattle. And I think I feel like this one is kind of consensus now, but it's still interesting because I know we're both people that don't like to overreact, and I think some people might be just like giving this guy the award right now. And I, that's, that's uh, where this one's going with Seattle. I said, Pred will be the rookie of the year because I feel like that's the big talk right now. Heading out of the kickoff classic is how good Pred looked, but I just wanted to see what your thoughts are on that. Will Pred be the rookie of the year? Kind of, obviously I know, I believe you picked him to be rookie of the year in our early season. I so I would assume now you're not going to change that since you already picked that. But I mean, I feel like people are shooing him in as the rookie of the year. And I will say just to caution that is if London picks it up, it's probably going to be because nasty or gizmo pick it up. So they're obviously still in the running. Uh, Dave Patty looked pretty good this weekend. Uh, if Florida picks it up, he could be in the running. You still got Yee's on the bench. I mean, our top two rookie of the years last year weren't in the league to start. So you could have some guy come out of challengers. Uh, and then I feel like the other one that nobody's talking about is Sib. If Seattle is as good as we say they are, that means Sib has to be playing pretty damn well. And he looked good this weekend and showed flashes of crazy potential. So I will say, as of now, Pred will be the rookie of the year. I will say that's true. I think he's probably the favorite. I don't know how he couldn't be. But I will say people are almost like shooing him in and just penciling him in as the the rookie of the year. I, I think the biggest threat to him right now might be his teammate, Sib, because if Florida or if not Florida, if Seattle is that good, uh, that means that both of them are probably playing pretty well. And I would think that Sib has the talent to do that. I mean, like I said, the London guys, maybe Dave Patey, they all have chances, but I don't know. It'll be interesting because 
the rookie of the year might not be in the league because Standy and Insight were far and away the top two candidates last year, and both of them were not on a starting roster to start the year. So I'll say true. Pred will be the rookie of the year, but I'm, I'm very cautious about that one. Yeah, I mean, the issue is, though, uh, saying that the, the rookie of the year might not even be in the league. Like, do we see a team that is going to consistently perform really, really well you know, having that early season struggle and making that change. Like, like would, obviously, obviously Rocker wasn't in a position where they were going to bomb out of the league and stuff. Um, you know, they they were playing mediocre, and then they decided to take a risk and go with Standy, and it, it paid off huge for them. And same yeah. with Ultra. Like, they, you know, I don't think anybody was going to say Ultra were going to, like, miss playoffs and, you know, not do anything. But they, you know, they benched... Um, you know, they benched methods and brought in insight and um, you know, they, they ended up winning a major. So I can, I don't know. I have two teams in mind that I actually thought of for that exact reason that I can offer mm-hmm. up first team London, uh, with Harry being on the bench now and people already talking about zero being benched just to go fully young. Seems like an insight situation. And if Harry comes in as the main AR could be a potential guy that could come in, obviously there's yees, but he's, I mean, everybody knows that that's not a shock answer. Uh, the other one I yeah. thought of was LAG. Could be like Rocker from last year. You know, if they're struggling and they're going to want to make a change, uh, yeah. we know that, you know, they might not be shy if Slasher and Gunless aren't getting along. They might not be shy to switch one of them out. Uh, Hook has obviously been swapped in and out of a lot of lineups recently. Maybe that will happen again. I would say they're a candidate to be like the Rocker from last year and potentially switch someone in. But who knows? That's that is way down the road. But just for teams that could potentially bring somebody in, because we know somebody is bound to bring in a Challengers player or at least a few teams are probably bound to bring in a challengers player at some point this year. We never thought it was going to happen last year and it, it did. So at some point it's probably going to happen. Who knows if they'll actually be insider standy level. Cause that's obviously MVP caliber players uh, last year. So that's pretty hard to say they'll be at that level, but so you're a green pred will be the rookie of the year. You're saying that's true for now. Oh yeah. Mark that down pred rookie of the year. But like my thing is like, if one of these teams brings in a challengers player, like they could be like, they could be like afro level good or whatever like all this all this jazz about like um you know setting the world on fire but like if your team doesn't perform well i just don't think you get the consideration for being no, rookie not of the year exactly exactly so and, and maybe a sport you do cuz you can just put up crazy numbers but in cod no because with only 12 teams and it's so results driven and it's not like rookies can come in with a talent level of a veteran or even better it's not like a sport where there's like there are a lot of things to learn that will help you at the game but like when rookies come in, like it's not like they have like a 15 year career where they're meant to develop for the first five years until they learn how to win. Like you're meant to win instantly right away in COD, no matter what your team makeup is, you're, you're trying to win instantly. It's not about like 15 year vets and you get a mixture of vets and young guys. Like when you come in, you're expected to win no matter your age. So, I mean, it is a little different for sure. You have to win in order to get rookie of the year, but I don't have any other like storyline things to get into unless you have any more you wanted to. No, I mean, I, I just, I stand by all of my, you know, preseason, like, you know, hot takes and predictions. Like, obviously it's, it's really, it's early days still. Um, I don't know. I mean, at least from, I mean, if you're, if you just want to like go full bore kickoff classic, you would say that, you know, ultra are going to win every event and phase are going to bomb out. And so, I mean, obviously a lot of the stuff is just like very premature and irrational to say. So, uh, yeah, I don't really have too many other uh predictions or 
you know, storylines specifically like from what we saw. And I think we highlighted some of them in the last in previous episodes too, of like what we're looking forward to this year. So yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm just ready to, to watch some, uh, you know, matches that, you know, not now nobody has an excuse for losing a match. They can't say it, it doesn't matter or, you know, that it's not for any points or whatever, you know, everything matters from now on. So I'm excited to have that false narrative out of the way. Yeah. I'm I'm ready to get these matches going. I think there's so many good matches coming our way this weekend. I'm I'm very excited to get into them. And I mean, I'm expecting us to do pretty bad in our predictions this weekend because it just never seems to go right when you don't know too much about the teams. But I'm excited to get a more concrete feel of where we're going and kind of start to develop our storylines for the year. Hopefully get some drama this weekend because uh, that always helps out. But I had a lot of fun doing the predictions. I'm excited to continue doing them. But uh, do you have a down bad sports moment of the week this week to get into? Because I don't really have too much of one. We had great football again this weekend. Uh, I cooked yeah. up a little parlay because the casino um, in Wisconsin now has sports betting. One of them, even though it isn't technically legal, there is a casino, I guess, that has a license to do it. So I cooked up a, a 18 parlay combined NBA and uh, NFL was like a $1,300 payout on a $5 bet. And I had the first seven and then I had Rams minus three and a half. Uh, and they won by three points. So the Rams missed out by one point on cashing me like $1,300. So I was kind of down bad about that. But I mean, I don't know. I, I didn't really have too much to say because none of my teams are really playing. And it was a great weekend of football. Yeah, I mean, I guess the only thing uh, down bad is that, uh, you know, the NFL season is virtually over now. Yeah. Um, all we have left is the Super Bowl. And it always seems like the path to get there is more exciting than the actual game itself or mm-hmm. it just, you know, it's just one game and it's, you know, as exciting as it is to have a team play there and like to, to have the game and all the, all the, all the jazz and lead up to that. Um, yeah. I mean, the last two weeks of playoff football have been so good that, uh, you know, maybe we're destined to have an incredible Super Bowl that comes down to, you know, the last few drives or something. Uh, I think that would be, poetic ending uh go joe burrow i'm totally 100 percent on the Bengals uh <laughs> wagon i mean not not even for the fact that they're playing against you know stafford and the rams and the super team uh that was inconsequential uh i would have been cheering for burrow no matter who they're playing uh just because it's such a cool story and to see where the Bengals were two years ago and where they're at now is just incredible and it makes me envy everything that I wish the lions were is what uh, Cincinnati is right now. So um, yeah. Yeah. I will say NFL season being over kind of down bad, but you know, because I I don't really buy into the whole like, Oh, the preseason training camp hype. It's like, you know, once week one rolls around and you have your fancy football draft and stuff, that's when the football season starts for me. And uh, so I'm a little bit down bad that, you know, it's, it's going to be cold and, everything and football's going to be done. So that's, that's me. Yeah. I, I fully agree with everything you just said. I also kind of am on the Joe Burrow train. I don't, I'm not really like pulling for either team heavily, but I'm kind of on the Joe Burrow train. Cause watching him right now in year two reminds me so much of Andrew Luck, the number one pick that was kind of touted coming out and he's running for his life behind a very subpar offensive line. Just like luck did. He definitely has better weapons uh, than luck did, but he's kind of got a lackluster defense and no offensive line running for his life back there. Just dragging his team along. Uh, Obviously he has some pretty darn good weapons around him and the receivers and Joe Mixon. 
Uh, and they have some playmakers on defense, but they're probably a below average defense overall. Uh, they haven't been crazy, but Joe Burrow has been kind of dragging them along. He reminds me of a young Andrew Luck when he dragged some terrible Colts teams to playoffs. Uh, and I don't know. I like watching him. I think it's going to be a pretty good game because I think uh, I'm a little scared for Burrow, though, because that Rams defensive line and pass rush is pretty elite. Aaron Donald is arguably the best player in the NFL. Uh, and Von Miller is also a very good pass rusher. Leonard Floyd, they got a lot of good pass rushers. And the Bengals offensive line is one of the worst in the league. Uh, they give up nine sacks against the Titans who don't have a very good pass rush. Pretty absurd. Uh, so I'm a little bit scared for Joe Burrow's life because I can't imagine it's very fun to get have uh, Aaron Donald running full speed at you, barreling down as you're trying to throw a pass. Uh, I think I'd probably be flinching and just laying on the ground so he wouldn't hit me. But a little scared for Joe Burrow. But like you said, it's almost more exciting. If your team isn't in the running for the Super Bowl, the lead up to it is almost more exciting than the game. Uh, I have been lucky enough to watch my team play in the Super Bowl twice, though. And let me tell you, if your team is in the Super Bowl, it's the most exciting game in the world. Uh, but yeah, I would agree. The the road up is almost more entertaining for the people that don't have uh, a dog in the fight. But I got nothing else on that if you're ready to wrap this one up. Yeah, let's go ahead. All right. So this was a fun episode. Obviously, this is our first regular season predictions on the year. We talked about uh, that points standings that we're going to do. I'm very excited. I I love doing predictions. They're fun to talk about because we just get to randomly give our opinions on Call of Duty. And I mean, the fact that we even have a very small platform to do that is pretty awesome, in my opinion. Um, But that's going to do it for this one. If you guys enjoyed, please be sure to leave a like, comment, and subscribe on YouTube. We've got a lot of momentum going on there, as well as the audio platform. So if you want to listen on Spotify, Anchor, or any of the audio platforms you can think of, you can go ahead and do that as well and leave her a five-star review. We greatly appreciate it. But that's going to do it for this one. Uh, Look forward to watching all the matches this weekend. Comment down below your predictions. Maybe you guys want to play along with us and use that scoring system we have uh, and kind of compare and see how you're doing this year. Drop your predictions down in the comments. Uh, We look forward to reading them. We like all the interaction, like we always say. So we greatly appreciate you guys watching, and we will see you in the next one after the matches to discuss what all happened this weekend and potentially discuss how uh, great or how poor Kyle and I predicted. So that's been it for this episode, and we will see you in the next one. Thanks for watching, everyone.